Good morning, everybody. This is, oh, I'm still not used to standing in a room full of people. This is just lovely. Good to see you all. As Gary said, uh, I am carrying on in this kind of this mini-series we've been doing, looking at uh, the Beatitudes. Um, so let's see if that's working. So these are the two we're looking at today. So this is uh, in Matthew 5. Um, and uh, by way of reminder, Jesus, he's up on the hillside. Um, so far, he's, he's got baptised. And so he was baptised, and his voice from heaven says, this is my son. He goes into the desert. He's tempted for 40 days. He does some healing of uh, the sick, things like that. And unsurprisingly, everyone who's been watching him thinks, oh, I want to hear what this guy's got to say. Um, so they all follow him up the hill. And he, he sits down. And this is really, as, as Terry said a few weeks ago, this is where Jesus starts to, to set out his manifesto, if you like. He's explaining what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And in, in this bit that we're looking at, the Beatitudes, he's explaining what citizens of the kingdom of heaven are, what, what we are meant to live like. It's very much an aspirational target. It's, you know, it's a journey to get there. But he's explaining what uh, God's subjects, if you like, how they live. So the two we're looking at today are these. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, uh, when uh, Elias spoke a few weeks ago, he, he said he, he changed the word blessed for happy, which I quite liked. So I'm going to do that as well. So, so far we've had happier the humble, happier the sad, happier the meek, happier the hungry, and to, to do the two we're doing today, happier the merciful, and happy are the holy. So we've got about 15 minutes to talk about mercy and holiness. So strap yourselves in. There's a lot to get through. I mean, really, we're obviously, we're only going to, we're not even going to scratch the surface. We're sort of going to tickle the surface of, of these two things. These are obviously huge um, ideas. We could spend months talking about them. But I, there's just a sort of a couple of points that I really want to draw out. And I thought we'd start just by talking very briefly about what we mean by mercy, what, what it means to be merciful, and what it means to be holy, what it means to be pure in heart. So, we'll start here. Blessed are the merciful, happier than the merciful. I, I'll be honest, I don't speak Greek, I don't speak Latin or Aramaic or anything. I am told, or I read, that the word merciful there is very, it's related to the word charitable. So this one that we're looking at, blessed are the merciful, it's very much a practical thing. It's about having mercy on those in need. It's, um, you know, it means giving help to the afflicted, to rescue the, the helpless. There's this phrase, it's compassion in action, which I quite like. It is about meeting people's needs where they are. And Jesus says, if you're my followers, you will be merciful. You will help those in need. Now, the word mercy often, it appears a lot in the Bible, it often appears kind of linked with other words, so you might see mercy and forgiveness and love and grace, and they kind of all fit together as similar concepts, but, but not quite the same. Um, so I thought it would be helpful just to, to separate out what mercy is uh, when compared to, to those others, um, just by way of a, a, a silly story. A few months ago... Uh, Kathleen and I, we got, what a, got a day off from the kids. Our mother-in-law was looking after the kids. So we decided uh, to go to the spa and have some massages. Not, I won't, uh, won't tell you which of us decided that's what we were going to do. But uh, <laughs> the other option was to stay at home and play computer games. So maybe you can work out. <laughs> um, 
So we had these massages. I, if I'm being honest, I've had a couple of massages. I find it a bit weird. It's not, I, I, not really into it. It's, um, and this one in particular that I was having, she's done my back and, and my shoulders, but then she was going to give me a sort of a face massage, which I was... Nails. Yeah, no, we didn't quite get to nails. <laughs> I, I, I got out the room before then. But, um, so she was, I, you know, and I was kind of expecting her to sort of prod my face. And I, I, I wasn't in a good place before it started, I'm being honest. <laughs> But then she started rolling out all of these machines, and I couldn't quite work out what was going on. It felt like she'd got a hairdryer going in my face at one point. Another point, it felt like she was waterboarding me. She'd got kind of wet, damp cloths over my face. It was not enjoyable. And in that moment, in that moment, I cried out for mercy from her. Have mercy on me. I'm afraid to say she didn't, didn't have mercy on me. Um, but, of course, what I wanted, I wanted my, my suffering... Uh, to, to stop. If I'd called out for forgiveness, it wouldn't have made any sense. I hadn't done anything she needed to forgive. I think maybe that's why she was being so mean to me. But as far as I'm aware, I wasn't in need of forgiveness. There was nothing to forgive. I wasn't in need of her love. I didn't need her to think I was a great person, to write me sonnets or to, to spend lots of time with me. I didn't even need her to like me. So love wasn't what I was after. I didn't need her grace. If she'd offered me grace, she might have stopped what she was doing, but then she might have, I don't know, gone a step further, taken me and bought me dinner and told me uh, how wonderful I was and, and comforted me. I wasn't after that. All I was after was my suffering in the moment to be relieved. <laughs> and that, that's what we mean about having mercy. It means meeting that suffering, alleviating that suffering. The other things that, you know, grace and, and forgiveness and um, love are all obviously hugely important things as well, but particularly when we're here, what we're talking about is, um, you know, very practical mercy, practically helping people. I should say as well, of course, it doesn't just mean physical mercy. We don't just mean feeding the poor, healing the sick, although, of course, that is mercy, but it can be spiritual mercy as well. It can be meeting people in their sin and helping them work through that. It can preaching the good news. That's having mercy, isn't it? Um, so, when, so when Jesus is sitting there saying, you know, blessed are the merciful, what he's saying is, people in my kingdom help out those in need. That's what he's saying. Um, and we're going to hold that thought. We'll come back to there. But just uh, quickly to, to uh, go on to purity in heart. So being pure in heart, or being holy, is, a, is a, another way it's often put. Um, in contrast to what we were talking about just now, mercy, which is a practical outward thing, holiness, purity of heart is all about an inward thing. It's all about in, in our soul. Um, and, you know, the word pure, obviously, you know, without blemish, what it, what it means, what it means when he says blessed are the pure in heart, it means blessed are the people who focus in their soul absolutely on God before everything else. It's not just seek the kingdom, it's seek the kingdom first. In our innermost being, what are we first and foremost aiming for? It's a single-mindedness, an, uh, an undivided devotion to the Lord. Obviously, you know, uh, holiness, as, as I've kind of already said, is you know, a huge, vast topic that we can spend uh, a long time talking about. And it's obviously also... Um, something that we have to continually work on. We are, none of us, 
holy immediately, but it requires a continued focus on the Lord and a continued desire uh, to seek him. So if that's what mercy and purity in heart are, there's just, I think, two things that really I want to, to draw out today. The first is, as um, you know, uh, Elias and Susie and Terry before them have talked about, um, Jesus, when he's speaking, on, uh, when, he, when he's delivering this sermon, he's being quite revolutionary. He's being very countercultural. He's telling people things that they don't necessarily want to hear, and he's telling things which the world... Uh, he's saying things which the world thinks um, are um, stupid. You know, why were the fools on the hill? Because this, it doesn't make sense to, to the world. I agree with all of that. All of that's entirely true. What I actually think is quite interesting as well is he's not saying anything new at this point. He's saying that God's people are merciful, God's people are holy. Well, God's been saying that from the beginning. That's not a surprise to anyone. You know, you can go right back. I, I, I've sort of just picked out uh, a couple of examples, you know, back from near the start of the Bible, um, from Deuteronomy. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be merciful to your fellow human beings. And in Le- Leviticus, concentrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Again and again through the Bible, and we could, I could have picked up lots of different examples, God turns to his people, he says, be merciful, be holy. So why is it that he keeps on saying this? When, uh, when I was a bit younger, and I didn't have to worry about my forehead and where it was disappearing, um, my, my summer job was I used to uh, teach children to sail. I spent several summers uh, working on a, a lake near Maidenhead, and I... Um, you know, I'd sort of muck around being sailing boats or power boats or, or kind of whatever I was allowed in and do a lot of mucking around on the water. Occasionally kind of stop to make sure all the children I was meant to be looking after were sort of still alive. Um, so um, they have a real habit of kind of throwing themselves in front of your boat whenever you're trying to go anywhere. Um, one of the things about being on the water in any boat, particularly a sailing boat, is that it doesn't go in, they don't go in a straight line. Boats are forever knocked away off their path by the wind, by the tides, by the currents, by children, whatever. So when you're trying to sail from point A to point B, you have to pick a point in the distance, or a couple of points that line up. And every now and then, you have to look up from where you are and check that you're still sailing towards where you're aiming for, because it is inevitable that you won't be. It's not that you're necessarily, uh, you know, you've steered a different way, but it is inevitable that you'll be blown off course. So you have to keep checking yourself. You have to keep checking yourself. Likewise, with the Israelites throughout the Bible, with, with the Jews and with us now, they have to be kept being put back in the right direction because they keep veering off. It's inevitable. There's a, uh, Judges is one of my favourite books of uh, the Old Testament because it, it, just, it, just, it feels so human because they get in a good place of God and then it all goes wrong. So God rises up another judge and gets them back in the right direction and then it all goes wrong. And... Uh, that is what it is like because we live in a world that is pulling us in all kinds of different directions. We have to stop and keep looking where we're going. Um, as, uh, you know, and so as Jesus uh, and as God keeps on repeating these same messages to his people throughout the Bible, so we need to keep coming back and looking at them as well and recalibrating where we're going. And that's, what, you know, that's one of the, the hopes of this um, of this series, that we will stop and look and remind ourselves, because hopefully for us as well, it's not, it's not particularly uh, 
new, hopefully, to a lot of us, that God expects us to, to aim to be merciful and holy. But it's a good opportunity to pause and look and see if we're still going in the direction that we're aiming in. The other, um, other point that I just want to, to mention briefly, which I find really interesting, so indulge me, because it might be that none of you find it interesting, but um, not only do these concepts keep on appearing, these two concepts in particular, mercy and holiness, keep appearing together. They're, you know, throughout the Bible, um, Micah is a good example. Um, this is, uh, you know, the, the great commandments. What, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your, all your mind. Holiness. That's the first commandment. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Have mercy. They seem to be linked, and, you know, and it, it carries on as well. And I find that really interesting that, you know, on the surface, they might be two entirely different things. Holiness, what are we like inside? What are we aiming for? And mercy, how do we behave towards our fellow humans? But actually, I think they're two sides of the same coin, and I think that's why they keep on appearing together. See, the thing about holiness um, is, uh, you know, you can aim for holiness above all else, and, you know, we, we should, perhaps. Um, but if holiness doesn't lead to anything, any outworking, then have we really um, got it right in the first place? James talks about that. He says, show me a faith without works, and I'll show you a faith that's dead. Holiness without mercy it is a lie, because if you're truly aiming for God, if your heart is truly aligned with his, then that will be outworked in how you live your life. Similarly, mercy without holiness, it, it's hypocritical. It misses the point. If you're going to demonstrate mercy to others, you have to understand that you too have received mercy from the Lord. I also think it's interesting in, um, where it says, uh, blessed are merciful, for, for they too will be shown mercy. I think... I think, if anything, I'm not going to say the Bible's wrong, but it's the wrong way around slightly, isn't it? That, that we receive mercy, and therefore we, we show mercy. And so, um, and so, I think that... Um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, so... We receive mercy and we show mercy. So we focus on God. We, uh, we seek him in our hearts and that will outwork. And so I think kind of the, the challenges uh, for the week as we go ahead, I've, I've sort of got a, got a few questions um, that I've posed. Um, the first one, it, you know, which might be answered because that's what we're doing now as part of this course. But when was the last time you checked you were sailing in the right direction? When was the last time you paused and said, looked up, from the midst of the wind and the waves and the children throwing themselves at your boat and looked that you were still headed towards where you're aiming for. And if you haven't done that in a while, use this, this series as an opportunity to do that. That's, that's what we're, we're trying to do. But two, with, with mercy and with holiness, the question is, you know, do, do, you, do you seek to demonstrate mercy in your life? Do you, do you look out for the needs of people? But I think more crucially than that, where does that come from? Does that come from a place of you know, wanting to appear to do the right thing or um, wanting to, 
um, to score points or whatever. Well, if, if that is what you're, you know, why you um, live like that, then that's not quite right. You need to be focusing on um, your inside, your inner thoughts. And out of that, your, your outer working should come. Likewise, you know, do you seek the kingdom above everything else in your heart? Do you aim above all uh, in your heart to focus on him? And if so, if you do, do you see the fruit of that in your life? And, and if not, then maybe that answers the first part of the question. Big questions, not expecting anything to, uh, uh, you know, anyone to be able to address all of that at once. But um, I would encourage you as we keep going through this series and as we come into the Christmas season as well to do, you know, use um, this as an opportunity to pause and slow down and just look at, at, at where you are and if you're standing in the right direction. Right, I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you um, that above all um, we have you to follow. Thank you that we're not uh, left as um, boats in the sea with no direction, with no one guiding us um, or directing us. And thank you for your example of your son Jesus and the life he led, the merciful and holy life he led on earth. We just pray um, that through the coming week you help us to uh, focus on you. Help us to, to draw our eyes up to you and to align ourselves with you. We pray that where uh, we have fallen short of these things, that you forgive us, you have mercy on us. But most of all, we pray that you point us back in the right direction, uh, that you open our eyes to your will, both for us and for those around us. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.